Amal, thanks so much for coming to talk to us today about your article, Counterterrorism and Race. Um, and I thought we could start with you just telling us a little bit about how you came to write this um, article. I started at Aber and then I wanted to do, uh, I knew I wanted to do a thesis on counterterrorism and postcolonialism, but I also want to talk about race. And I wasn't sure where to begin in postcolonialism. And then I also wasn't sure how postcolonialism would discuss the issue of race. Um, when I first came to the subject, my familiarity and how I was taught what constitutes postcolonialism came from the realm of Edward Said. I was taught Edward Said's uh, theory of Orientalism as a critical approach to IR, specifically used for the area of studying Middle Eastern regionalism and Middle Eastern geopolitics. And I had wanted to take that but apply it to political circumstances I noticed in the UK and Canada where I'm from in both cases. So one of the issues that I think you have with some of the post-colonial literature is that it doesn't really take the body seriously and especially the racialized body seriously. And I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about um, how you came to um, incorporate, if you like, the body into your uh, study of race and counterterrorism. I was trying to make those connections and I wasn't finding an ability to do that in a perspective that seemed wholesome to addressing the situation of what I saw in international politics, particularly to the UK um, and Canada. And so I thought to look at other post-colonial authors or to consider what constitutes post-colonialism more. So tell us a bit more then about what, what literature you've found which helped you to, to think about race and counterterrorism. Um, race, racism and international relations was a starting point that introduced me to the idea that um, race constitute, studying race constituted a form of studying international relations and talking about the transnational character of political violence. Um, and uh, Alexandra Nivez, Nikki Manchanda, and of course, you, Robbie, discussed the significance of the voice, which led me to read Souls of Black Folk and use that as a starting point, as a foundation for discussing international politics from there on. Mm -hmm. So um, how did you then link Du Bois to counterterrorism? One of the things I noticed, particularly when reading Souls of Black Folk, was this discussion of fear and terror and how they're interlinked in the Black body as terror. I noticed that that was a very common theme between, of course, the voice and other authors like Benon, um, and then other people that I soon found to be related to the voice like Leiden, and then um, uh, Marcus Gave and his other contemporaries. And then it led me to think about, okay, because we talk about terror in relation to other people, because I realized that the color line um, was a more of a global project eventually after Souls of Black Folk and reading Du Bois's other works, particularly Negro and the Warsaw Ghetto, 1952 publication that you see in Dark Water. Um, in this, he basically talks about how Jewish people experience a sort of racialized terror that he realized took him out of the social provincialism that he saw as being Black terror initially and foundationally. Um, and I, that was when I made the connection that experiencing racialized terror in the form of politics was something that could be discussed through Blackness, particularly in relation to um, counterterrorism. 
when I was looking at the Negro in the Warsaw Ghetto, I realized that there is similar connotations between anti-Semitism and Islamophobia based on other readings and being, of course, Muslim myself. And I realized that if you could, as Du Bois was doing, recognize that a people um, could be blackened in relation to language that comes from uh, other texts or experience something akin to anti-blackness, then it could be situated in the circumstance of Islamophobia as well. So once I read Negro in the Warsaw Ghetto, I felt more um, affirmed that the, the way I was going about talking about political terror and responding to political terror could lead to a discussion of racialization that connected anti-Muslimness or Islamophobia to anti-blackness. Mm, right. And and that's the the work that you're doing in this review article, right? You're, you're you're is that right? You're presenting us with a set of resources which which enable us to think a bit more capaciously about race, terror, counterterrorism, right? That is. Uh, I don't go into in the in the paper. I talk more about looking at um, counterterrorism as a political tool but particularly understanding how experiencing counterterrorism constitutes a form of knowledge production. So that was a huge part of writing the paper for me. I want people to know that the fear of um, not just being afraid of Muslims, but Muslims being subjected and affected by that fear constituted a way of seeing the world that was relevant to international politics. And I brought forward a series of connections that I had noticed in the literature of multiple different scholars talking about that same experience and put them under the same scope so that someone could say this is a form of uh, knowledge production and have a map of different authors who provide that as evidence. Mm -hmm. And so so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, because one of the easy comebacks is to say, well, Islam is a religion, it's not a race. And um, so, so, and and Muslims come in all different shapes and sizes, and so you can't say that um, that anti-Muslim racism is, is racism. It's not about the body; it's about it's about it's about the Quran or something like that. I mean, what 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 do you say to that? I mean, there's a different ways of going answer because some people say that it is about the body, and then some people say it's about culture. I think they're not disconnected from one another. So there's authors, for example, like Theodore Vial that argue that race and religion join tins because just historically speaking, um, it's been recorded by historians like Samel Adin that when you were Muslim in juxtaposition to Christianity, you were black in juxtaposition to whiteness. There's a certain re relevance of culture being connected to the body that we used to before these, I guess, enlightenment or before now, because there's still places that claim to be secular that are not. Um, believe that your culture was a genetic component of who you were and your language and everything in relation to your beliefs was connected to the body. Um, and that just hasn't gone away. But what you tend to see now is that there's an assumption. So for example, the phenomenon of perceived to be Muslimness that um, scholars like Awan, uh, Imran Awan, and Irene Zempi discussed more recently in British society, um, where you look at someone and you think that they're Muslim, 
And people say like, oh, well, that's just making a mistake and that's just being ignorant. It's like, no, you're assuming that based on someone's ethnic heritage and their body that they belong to a culture. And that's been an assumption that's been with African-Americans, Caribbean and Africans themselves that's existed for a long time. Although the color is a blatant feature of the discrimination they face, when you look at their skin color, you assume that there's an entire world behind it that's with savagery and barbarity or with hip hop or with brutality or fear. It's not just about the body, but it's not disconnected from it. So that's where the Islamophobia racism connection comes together. Mm-hmm. And so how, how do you, how do you finish the, the, the review article? You, you know, what, what um, suggestions do you give to scholars who are trying to tread this path as well? I think if there's anything that I try and relay that it's a difficult path to trek and particularly, and I think, not just in academia. I mean, we have different debates ongoing that are showing that IR theory and its related spheres have to reconcile with uh, racist structures and our knowledge production and the way we teach and practice international politics. And it's showing, my article is showing that discussing anti-racism in the context of counterterrorism is tricky and difficult particularly because there's been a sort of colonization of the interpretation of what constitutes anti-racism that makes it incredibly difficult for those who've been working with concepts such as racialization theory or anti-racism in the academic realm, not just as a flashback to political correctness, but as an actual form of study uh, to address because anti-racism to some is we need to get rid of fascism in its most extreme form, or we need to stop violence against Black people occurring in the street. But when you say, for example, okay, this means that you have to correct your way of thinking about what constitutes racism, you kind of hit a brick wall in the conversation about how we need to assess our field as a field of study and as a practice in higher education that people aren't usually ready to have uh, a full honest discussion about because it takes a challenge to the more neoliberal um, foundations that we now consider to be um, undetachable from the way international politics is taught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, what what's the next step that you're taking in your research on this? After the Viva. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I I don't know whether I can say I'm one of the people walking away from the field of counterterrorism who's optimistic about the field. Mm. It was I, a huge part unrelated to the art, article that I've written, but um, a part of my actual doctoral research was doing field work. So meeting people on the ground who are responsible for counterterrorism approaches, and that includes policy and legislation and meeting with the MPs, officers, and academics that go to parliament and civil society organizations that contest it and seeing what was out there in terms of uh, who is trying to create a better environment for black and minority ethnic peoples to exist in a counterterrorism regime. And it wasn't great what I saw. And I think that was most devastating as a Canadian for me coming to Canada and getting to see people responsible for the laws that regulate me as a Canadian citizen 
And it was a huge eye-opener and it was a grateful experience and it made me aware of how significant it is to discuss anti-racism and to discuss anti-racism in relation to white supremacy and clarify the connectivities and the disconnects. Uh, but it was also um, make me very skeptical of for things like people say that you can work from the inside, for example, to address these issues or that you can exist within the system, whether that be working in government, whether that be working in policy or whether it be working in university and address these issues in particular counterterrorism, which is heavily tied to governance. Um, and yeah, I don't know if there's a way forward to be blunt. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much, Amal. Now you have to say thank you. <laughs> thank you, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs>